In five, <clears throat> four, three. <laughs> hello, 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 and welcome to another edition of Films on Trial. This week, Candyman. I'm Gav. I'm Alex. I'm Joel. I'm Dave. And I'm Austin. And just like Candyman, you don't have to believe in us, just beware. That's yeah. fair enough, actually. Yeah, I think that tagline fits pretty well, to be yeah. fair. This show best. probably should come with a content warning, if it doesn't already, Austin. It will come with a content warning, yeah. Yeah. No problem. Maybe we need to expand it a little bit to say this may contain references to jizz. <laughs> I, I think there's so. another way we can I get around I, this problem. Uh, hand, anyone yeah. planning to talk about jizz except Gav? <laughs> I didn't get these show notes to it. No, 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 I, I think I, we know what the problem is. I though. feel underprepared now. <laughs> Seriously, though, if you... <laughs> Continue, carry on. So, seriously, though, if you've never heard this show before, then hold on to your gizzards. Is it gizzards or jizzards? It's gizzards. <laughs> you know it's gizzards. <laughs> hold on to your gizzards, because we're going to hook you in. Did you get it? Nice. Yeah, that's good, isn't it? Yeah. Essentially, we take a film and we put it on trial. It's as simple as that, but there's also a whole host of other hilarious shenanigans to keep you entertained, including a caption contest. Some questionable impressions, some subpar xylophone playing, and some silly sound effects, along with a hell of a lot of banter. So this week's film on trial, as I said before, is Candyman. Yeah. A bit quiet, yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's quite hard to find a sound effect that quite aptly describes Candyman. Anyway. Bees. Um, bees, yeah. Your bee, I didn't have bees. I'm going to, we'll try it again. This week's film on trial is Candyman, Austin. <laughs> <laughs> well, sounds, sounds like, like someone's at the hairdressers. Bees room in a glass. <laughs> <laughs> All right, and today we're going to find out if it's as sweet as candy or if it's just a mouthful of bees. <laughs> uh, so glad you don't yeah, didn't go for the other end of the. <laughs> so just to say, this will be this will be a very very spoilerific episode. So if you haven't seen it yet, you are massively missing out. Uh, you can either listen to this episode after you've watched it. It's available on Amazon Prime for about three quid or so uh, or you can just trust our judgments alternatively you can fast forward to our quiz this week brought to us by the lovely captain dave which we'll highlight in the comments section below can i just interject two seconds here that yeah. 3.99 thing that's on amazon prime not candy man that is a documentary about a man who opened up a candy shop <laughs> <laughs> oh, did you get burned yeah yeah can- Candyman is not available on Amazon Prime uh, how far how much did you watch before you realised <laughs> it wasn't Candyman after I'd paid my money I watched all of it yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, just out of interest is it worth three ninety nine? is it a good documentary uh, Maybe had a maybe two ninety nine. Okay, no, it's all right. Should we try all that instead? Is that everyone? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. so, you have to buy a DVD if you want to watch the, watch the Candyman. Okay, well, yeah, well, that, that's that's what I did essentially, and then uh, as usual, just lent it round the group. Pop me, Austin. Okay, so before we go on, our last film on trial was Pokemon, the first movie. Uh, Austin, Pokemon sound effect. I chose you. <laughs> 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 oh, I judged the film. Uh, I judged that trial, and I deemed that it should be placed on the old shit list. No, I didn't. I said, no, it, didn't. No, I said it was on the old hit list. Yeah, I did. Yeah, I, I've since gone away and watched the films. Did I make the right call? Well, I don't know. Actually, I mean, it sounds subconsciously like I didn't. <laughs> I, think, I think you know what you did. <laughs> I mean, it was all right. You know, what I mean, I, I'm, I'm not. I, if I would have put it on the shit list, it probably wouldn't have had any sleepless nights. Basically, it was. It was <laughs> you know, I'll just interject here. This crossroads gone out. <laughs> no, because to be honest, all I do want to talk about is Crossroads. <laughs> Crossroads is on the hit list. Get over it. You know what I mean? Uh, it's no. a hit film. It's about the arguments. It's the whole premise of this. Just podcast. saying, I, I went away on holiday for two weeks, and Pokemon, the first movie, is on the hit list. <laughs> as is Crossroads. You guys need me. <laughs> You'll find me quite amenable when you're not here. <laughs> okay, so thank you very much for that, guys. Uh, before we go on to the bulk of the show, I think it's time for a little bit of news. Oh. That's 
pretty good. Yeah, yeah, very yeah. good. I don't know why we were laughing. So. Very good. <laughs> there we go. Thanks, guys. Uh, okay, so uh, what we do here is we just go around the group and we talk about the most newsworthy topics of the week. Uh, so today uh, there was an extended extended trailer for the new spider-man film spider-man far from home which references the events of endgame so if you haven't seen endgame put your fingers in your ears or fast forward two minutes because we're going to talk about it joel you have a massive uh, post endgame <laughs> erection <laughs> so i'd t- probably say it's the other way around i can't since endgame i haven't been able to <laughs> so what do you think about the trailer uh, I liked it because I think a lot of uh, kind of Avengers fans or Marvel fans uh, probably saw Endgame and were like, well, what now? And I think that kind of gave a glimpse into the future a little bit. It did seem to give quite a lot away, but, you know, I think Marvel notoriously in the past have edited trailers quite heavily so that they things happen in them or conversations happen in them that don't happen in the in the film. So, um I think that I think I've said it before, actually, but you know, you'll see what they want you to see, type of thing. But I think it was good just to get a glimpse into the future, kind of post end game. Yeah, I mean, Alex, do you think that perhaps they really revealed a bit too much? Yeah, it's definitely had that thing of you know, in a trailer, it hits about two minutes and it starts telling you things that you actually kind of want to not hear. But I agree with Joel, like the trailers in all the other Marvel films have always been well done. So when the bit does come up in the film, you're like, oh no, I know what's going to go on here. They always twist it a little bit, so mm. you know, it keeps it fresh. The only thing for me was, I'm guessing it's in the comic books as well, but is it Mysterio is the one played by Jake Gyllenhaal? Yeah. Mm. Why has he got a goldfish bowl on his head? Oh no, that, that's true to comic. No, I'm sure it is, but like... <laughs> Okay, so the character was like a special effects guy for Hollywood and he was also he had like a mystical element to him, but most of it was just bullshit. So he pretended like he was this great big wizard and that was just part of his outfit. And it turns out that a lot of the time it was actually just special effects, essentially like an episode of Scooby-Doo. Yeah, or, or that's, that's of kind of what it looked like a little bit. Yeah. And it, like he was flying around in the trailer doing all of these great powers. Yeah. And it's just a split second shot of him with, with a goldfish ball. Yeah, it? yeah. So, uh, I, I, Look, you use what you can find at the end of the day. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> MacGyver. In the comics, obviously, he's one of Spider-Man's biggest adversaries. But in the film, he, he looks like he's, he's a good guy. He's working with the S.H.I.E.L.D. There's probably going to be a I, twist I, there. Yeah. Yeah. But I would rather have that been left as a surprise. So you know that Mysterio's in it. Then to get to the film, be like, oh, he's a good guy. And then I imagine the inevitable twist of, oh, actually, no, he's a shitbag. It, it, it just feels like it's just ruined it a bit for me. Well, I don't know. I mean, I'm saying Plus that. Marvel, you know, it's exactly. never done you wrong so far. Exactly. Uh, so, so moving quickly on, Spider-Man, we spoke about that. Not Spider-Man, sorry. Uh, Sonic the Hedgehog, the new film that's going to be coming out soon. We spoke about that last week or a couple of weeks ago. And we all agreed that it looked pretty awful. Well, since then, there's been such a massive backlash on Twitter that the director has come forward and said that he's going to go away and he's going to remodel Sonic. So he's going to completely redesign it and that is going to hopefully be done in time for the release date, which is November. It seems to me that it's a bit of a rush. But I don't know. Dave, what do you think about this? Um, I th- if the fans have spoken out, they don't like it. You know, fair enough. The only thing that's bugging me is what kind of dollar sign is going to be slapped on this remodeling of, of Sonic. You know, creating CGI characters isn't cheap by any stretch of the imagination. Now to go away and completely redesign one just seems like a bit of a waste of money, really. You know, if you didn't get it right first time around, hold your hands up and move on. I wonder how uh, much of a redesign is really required. I, I, I've seen some mock-ups and really the only change is just his eyes, isn't it? Give him mm. sonic and eyes. His, his and teeth, maybe apparently, his teeth are a massive from. issue. Yeah, he's got like he's got human teeth, and people are kicking off about it. <laughs> what about his teeth? Yeah, yeah, because he doesn't look like a hedgehog. He looks like a little man. I can't remember Sonic's teeth in any of the comics and anything. Them. I yeah. just think he doesn't have teeth in the comic. But I don't know. Do hedgehogs have teeth? I assume so. Yeah, they eat, they eat, yeah, yeah, they, yeah, they, they, they must do. Yeah, they do, but they're like little. Yeah, they're more like cat's teeth, like little fangs. Yeah. Come, to, film, teeth, come to films on trial for all year. <laughs> <laughs> European <laughs> wildlife. <laughs> Give them little pointy teeth. There we go. Okay. Job done. And uh, quickly, just before we move on, sorry, Dave. When I asked what news we were doing, you never told me we were going to do that. I, I, mean, I, I know who that's it's, for as well. I just thought it's pretty obvious. Uh, I know who that's for. Yeah, uh, we lost Peter Mayhew. 
uh, Chewbacca himself from the Star Wars movies. Um, you know, he, he did the role from right from day one through the uh, the much maligned holiday special, and he was also in Force Awakens. He couldn't do something like the uh, the long running. He had to have a stunt double for that because his health hadn't been so good. But yeah, he pretty much played Chewbacca up until the very recent past, to be honest with you. So yeah, Alex, I can see you're you're dying to pay tribute to uh, to Peter Mayhew there. Oh, yeah. I fell it, a fellow hairy brethren. <laughs> <laughs> takes one to know one like, i was thinking about this the other day and i say like, apart from me my little smooth boy body like, <laughs> all of you hairy bastards like, i was thinking about the other day it's like the, essentially the different stages from the transformation scene from american werewolf in london <laughs> i don't even want to know where i film on that spectrum yeah you and me do not end <laughs> yeah so yeah peter mayhew uh, sadly uh, gone uh, on may the third as well just the day before may the fourth yeah. which is uh, pretty much the star wars day yeah, isn't it 20th and What's that? Yes, and <laughs> <laughs> to the galaxy far, far away. Yeah. All right, so thank you. Thank you very much for that, guys. Uh, so once again, it's time for Alex's Film Feels. Oh, yeah. That's all right. Yeah. All right. Um, I mean, I pressed the wrong button, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> Got me going. Uh, so Candyman famously has a hook for a hand. Uh, I haven't actually seen it, so that is true, isn't it? That well, is true, right? yeah. So... What's your favourite sort of like missing limb replacement in a film? <laughs> I know, I know. But, but there are more, you know, have a little think about it. There's more than you think. Go on, any, anyone got one off? I've got some. Um, okay, yeah. Ash from Evil Dead. That's a good, Chainsaw. Chainsaw. Yeah. yeah. Oh, but my favourite one has to be, uh, I can't remember a name, but out of Planet Terror. Oh, yeah. Oh, With the, the machine gun the Assault leg. rifle from yeah. Yeah. Um, Okay, I, I, so I was going to say... Um, Bruce Campbell Ash from Evil Dead good one and now I can't think of another one what about um, the, the one-armed man from The Fugitive yes that's a really good one yeah. I watched that recently nice one yeah thanks <laughs> <laughs> I, I tried to preempt what you were going with on the limb front and I just thought you meant somebody with a missing limb so I was thinking The Rock from Skyscraper but he's literally just got a a, a fake prosthetic leg. leg. Is he, <laughs> does he have a blade in that, or is it just a fake leg? Oh, no, yeah, it's, yeah, just it's a, a prosthetic leg. leg. It's just yeah. a normal prosthetic leg. Well, uh, what about um, the Kingsman? She, the, oh, yeah. Giselle is it? She's got blades for legs. Mm. She does. They're yeah. very cool. Yeah. Yeah. What about uh, the claw from Inspector Gadget? Mm. Yeah. yeah. Imperator Furiosa from Mad Max. There you go. Luke Skywalker. We just had a Star Wars yeah, bit. Darth before. Vader. Yeah. All of them lost limbs. Joel, you got anybody? Jack from Mortal Kombat. The <laughs> <laughs> classic. Classic. I mean, he is the one that comes to mind, isn't he? He is. Yeah. Um, he probably started the craze, to be fair. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, thank you very, very much for that, Alex. Um, oh, sorry. Well, I'm just surprised you didn't mention you, you make Michael Ironside. You told me I wasn't allowed to mention my <laughs> well, clients. I, I didn't think you'd listen to me. <laughs> I, I was literally going to mention podcast favorite Michael Ironside and any one of his films in which he's lost a limb. He loses a limb. Uh, probably Total Recall because he loses both arms in that. Um, whereas in other films he just tends to lose the one arm, but he went whole hog for <laughs> oh, no. Total Recall. In, in Starship Troopers, he's got a really good replacement for that arm he lost. Though. True, yeah. Starship Troopers because he does have a replacement arm for it. So let's say Michael Ironside. All right. Okay. <laughs> Thank you very much. I mean, it sounds like we're annoyed at each other. <laughs> Thank you very much that Alex. <laughs> wow, you really stared right into my eyes. <laughs> right, okay. Uh, on to the bulk of the show. This week's film mentioned before is Candyman. Ahoy there, matey! <laughs> Okay. Um. <laughs> <laughs> you know, um. the hook for a hand. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay, uh, right. uh, if, so it hasn't been picked out of the hat at random. It was picked by me. Uh, so the reason, as I said last week, the reason I picked this film uh, was because what's not to love about it? Essentially, it was one of my favourite horror films as a kid uh, when. Obviously, I watched it too young. (laughs) More like four, Joel. Come on, go with the program. Anyway, I thought it'd be a good one to revisit later as an adult with you guys. So, so yeah. Um, So, as I pick the film, I will be acting as the defense and trying to get this film placed on the hit list. I'm a little bit like Xander Berkeley's Trevor. I decorate my house in questionable fashion and I'm a bit of a shitbag. All of the other roles, however, have been picked at random. So in the role of prosecution and trying to get this film placed on the shit list is Ozzy. Ozzy is a little bit like Candyman. 
He dresses very elaborately, <laughs> but you definitely don't want to bump into him down a dark alley. <laughs> <laughs> now, just like real court advocates, Ozzy and I will be making the best case for our roles. These may or may not be our genuine opinions, however, so stay tuned to the end of the episode to hear our real thoughts. Now, in the roles of character witnesses and lending their genuine opinions to each argument are Joel and Dave. Joel is also like Xander Berkeley's Trevor in that his job sounds like made-up bullshit and <laughs> he's also a bit of a shitbag. <laughs> <laughs> and Dave is just like one of the bees. Yeah, I'm stretching. <laughs> wow. I'm stretching. Uh, he, he's always working and he's partial to a bit of nectar. <laughs> Can't deny it. Yeah. Which means this week Alex has the most important role as he will be playing the judge. Alex is also a little bit like Candyman. He looks like he lives in a crack den. <laughs> Now, Alex yeah. must decide which list this film should be placed on. I've already decided. <laughs> Hit or shit based solely on the arguments put to him and not using his own opinion. Now, before we get started, I think we should give the listeners a bit of a better understanding as to what this film is about. So, let us spin the Wheel of Impressions. So what we do here is we read out the synopsis of the film in the style of one of the cast or characters this week. It has landed on... Joel, so well done, mate. So, uh, uh, what, what do you reckon, guys? How, how should he read this out? It, it's got to be in the style of Candyman, hasn't it? Yeah, it's the most uh, it's the most iconic voice in the film. I, I was just quickly googling to get the synopsis, and I actually wrote Candy Nan. <laughs> <laughs> Don't do that, man. Do, do, do that one. I want to hear the synopsis. For that, one. <laughs> that sounds like one of the horror films that I watch. <laughs> the Candyman, a murderous soul with a hook for a hand is accidentally summoned to reality by a skeptic grad student researching the monster's myth. Nice. Oh, well done. Nice. Well, done. <laughs> well done, man. Do you want a lozenge? Uh, please, yeah. <laughs> I'm Candy Nan. <laughs> I don't teach you, Nan, how to suck lozenges. <laughs> anyway, uh, without further hesitation, Alex. Uh, I'll definitely take over now. Uh, right. So Candyman, I've never seen it. Uh, to be honest, because I, I thought it always looked a bit shit. So, <laughs> <laughs> so Ozzy, I'm, I'm sort of waiting yeah. for you to prove me correct. But Gav, I'll let you have a crack at it first. Go on. Oh, thanks, man. Uh, so as uh, Joel so eloquently covered before, Candyman tells the tale of Helen, a white middle-class grad, grad student who is writing a thesis on the urban legend of Candyman, a hook-handed spectre who appears to his victims when you say his name five times in the mirror. Helen travels to the marginalised Caprini Green housing projects where she is faced with the reality of the myth as Candyman enacts a spate of gruesome murders which Helen is blamed for. She must then prove her innocence and also the truth about the Candyman legend once and for all. Mm. Now, as I said earlier, when I watched this film as a kid, admittedly, as we said, probably younger than I should have, uh, I absolutely loved it. As a horror film, it has everything that you need. It's scary, gruesome, and it features an iconic and nightmarish villain that would give you nightmares for weeks. It also became someone of a pop culture sensation as sleepovers all over the world started to incorporate a trip to the bathroom to look in the mirror and say Candyman five times. That, like, I know you're laughing, but that, that's true. I mean, how many here, just, just out of curiosity, tried uh, that Candyman trick when they were younger? I haven't, I've never even seen it. We had Bloody Mary at my school, not, not Candyman. Yeah, I did, but, you know... Fuck not, all happened. Not with everyone in the bathroom at the same time. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what your sleepovers were like. <laughs> okay, so, um, but viewing this film later as an adult, I found that it was far much more than a, just a common slasher movie. It is rife with statements about social class, race, and sex and gender. Um, that although I don't think are always dealt with perfectly, I do feel add a real depth to the film that most slasher movies severely lack. The script, which is adapted from a short story written by Clive Barker, is very, very original, and the dialogue in parts is beautiful, which I'll go into more detail about in my second point. Uh, so Candyman himself is a nightmarish spirit born as a result of a horrific racist act of violence. He was a well-educated and talented artist, son of a, a freed slave, but when he fell in love with the white daughter of a wealthy landowner, her father hired thugs to cut off his hand and smear honey on his body, resulting in him being stung to death by bees. He was then burned on a pyre and scattered over Caprini Green. Now, a common stereotypical fear was, and unfortunately still is, of a powerful black man attacking a helpless white woman. Now, the white mob couldn't even comprehend um, a mixed-race relationship in 19th century America, and they murdered Candyman for it. 
As a result of this, Candyman's vengeful ghost enacts violence on the very type of people that carried out his murder, privileged white people. It's almost like a lesson in the dangers of reinforced negative stereotypes. This is something that Candyman shows Helen firsthand later on as she is blamed for the murders. People are more likely to believe stereotypes and uh, if they are motivated by fear and a lack of understanding. Everyone is quick to damn Helen because it's easier to believe that she's mad rather than understand the truth that Candyman is actually real. This is highlighted even more so by the film's incredible setting of the Caprini Green housing projects of Chicago. It was like a den of crime in the 70s and 80s. The estate became its own boogeyman, essentially. And the film suggests that this contemporary crime is a direct result of deep-rooted racism in America's history. But some of the residents we meet are the most kind and pure people in the entire film. Another lesson uh, of taking time to understand and educate yourself rather than just judging a book by its cover. So another thing that I think is absolutely brilliant about this film and sets it apart from your standard horror film is the rousing gothic score written by one of the most influential composers of the 20th century, Philip Glass. The horror, tension and suspense of every scene is intensified by the music, which is just beautiful. The direction is also very commendable as director Bernard Rose uses natural settings and lighting to great effect to enhance the script. There's also a great deal of originality about this as well. Um, so what I didn't know until years later was the opening shot, which captures an aerial view of Chicago, had never been done before and it was used with a sky cam it was the first time it had ever been carried out so it's not just your sort of standard play-by-play sort of film every part of this film is just so unique and so original a superb story with a bee sting in the tail mm. this film will keep you hooked throughout <laughs> uh, d- d- double points for the flourishes there <laughs> i'm sorry i'm partial to them well done gav um right well some pretty eloquent stuff there ozzy uh would you like me to go through them or do you have you got some no, stuff no, to come I'll, back I'll, I'll, I'll hit straight back and, and the thing with gav is and and we know from all of the films he's into is he just he's blinded by these rose-colored glasses constantly the nostalgia of this like don't this film is is fine but it's you know it's not actually as good as gav is making out or as or as good as gav remembers it's not nearly as scary as people make it out to be um like genuinely this is um it's like cheesy horror essentially i mean the first time you see see the candy man it's basically just a really tall man in an oversized fair coat um Sounds with like, a hook for a hand, with like a plastic hook for a hand. Sounds like you, your it's, platforms are. Yeah, yeah, basically. <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll keep your comments to a minimum. You know, and it's it's not it's it's not all that scary, um, especially if you're going into this for a, for a horror film. It's you know, there's the other thing as well is like I've saying, oh, it's so it's so original, it's so um, and it was so unique and it was pushing things out, and it may well have been at the time, but. The problem we've got and the thing we deal with quite a lot and this is we're looking back at a film which, okay, it was all right at the time, maybe it was a bit new, but it's been done so much better since. And, and also it's been done to death since. So when you go back to watch this, it's, it, it doesn't feel unique and original. It, it really is. It's, it's tired. It's, um, it's, it's not aged very well. Um, also... He doesn't really kill that many people. It's not. It's not it's, um, the scenes where where there's death it is pretty gory, and like I think it is actually quite well shot. Um, I thought it was, it was, you know, the setting is good. What Gav's saying about the um, the estates, it's um, it's really well done. It's quite gritty. You get a feel for this urban environment, but um, but yeah, it's 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 actually a little. It's like a, it's a suspense thriller, I suppose, rather than a slasher. Yeah, it's gory when he does the um, when he does kill people, but. It's it's not as um there's not enough of that to really keep you gripped throughout. It's um the the plot is actually quite difficult to to grasp. I'm not sure if you managed to capture Gab's quite succinct um storyline there, but you get told that by this other professor, um and Candyman himself. So so the plot is a little bit um jumbled for me. I wasn't really sure of uh, Candyman's entire motives for coming back. So um you find out that he is um, that he was a slave, that he was uh, he was murdered in this racist attempt, and then for some reason he's he's coming. You know, he gets blamed for all sorts of things, and it is just mystifying. But um, the kid that was killed in the Cabrini estate, the reason she's investigating it and saying that it wasn't Candyman um, was a black kid, and um, he's so it wouldn't have been done by Candyman based on his motives. Um, so she goes to say, look, it's just um, the people are just using this as a scapegoat. It's just a good way for them to to to, to 
to get around the actual violence in the neighborhoods and people need to do something about it. And that's great. And I think if you read into it that way, then it then it's good. You're gonna there is potentially some uh some politics in there which you can read deeper into, but that's not what the film's really about. The film is a, a suspense uh slasher. So then he Candyman tells uh tells Virginia Mad Virginia Madsen. Mm-hmm. He says to her, the whole reason I'm here to kill you I'm paraphrasing, is uh, because you're demystifying me. But then a little bit later, she goes and finds this other professor who's written a paper all about him, um, doing exactly the same research she was doing. Didn't bother killing him, didn't bother to to, like, to, to chase him, but just for some reason he's come to kill her. It's, you know, it's, it's, there's a lot of plot holes in this which you can pick apart and, and worry, but it's, it's, it just felt to me not as easy to follow as it should do for, for what should be a slasher flick. Um, it was a bit boring. It was a bit long-winded, particularly as you get to the end. It just started getting a little bit far-fetched, and and I've seen better um, slasher films, and I've not seen many uh, horror films and slasher films. But you know, you come across it's not nearly in the same. Even in terms of the horror vibe, it's it's not nearly on the same pedestal as things like uh, Psycho or or The Exorcist or something like that. It's not. It can't possibly be in the same tier as them, even though people people seem to talk about it as being that. Um, Gav mentioned about the score, Philip Glass. I thought he was maybe a bit too minimalist. There were there were definitely times where it could have been uh, like there were times where it works quite well, but it, it didn't really. I don't think it really um, played into the the, the fear and into the way the way it could have done. I, I've not heard loads of Philip Glass stuff because um, I've not watched that many horror films, but um, but you. I didn't feel like it really set the scene quite quite as well as it could have done. And there, there are some good jumpy uh, scares in this and some good scenes, very gory scenes, but um, it just didn't feel like as good a horror film as it should have been. As I was, It felt very hyped up to me because I've not seen it until now. Um, and yeah, I don't think it's aged well. I don't think, it's, uh, I don't think it stands the test of time. Okay, cool. Um, <clears throat> Gav? Briefly, do you want to come back on any of that? I've seen Ozzy said that he's seen like this replicated and done better since. Isn't that a sort of an honour to the original film in that people want to take that and they want to you know add to it and they want to do their own version of it? And you mentioned about Candyman not really being frightful. Well, I'll go into a bit more detail about that in my second point, but I think that's what makes him such a really good character. You don't see him for a long time. It doesn't really, as you said, murder a lot of people. But then again, you look at like kind of Hannibal Lecter. He's one of the other greatest screen villains of all time. He doesn't murder a lot of people either. And Candyman doesn't look really that imposing. If you saw him on the street, you wouldn't, you know, apart from the hook for the hand, maybe you wouldn't <laughs> think like, oh God, this guy's a, 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 guy a monster. Bees coming out of his mouth. <laughs> <laughs> it's also he's also close to seven foot, isn't he? Tony Todd. Jamie. He's pretty tall. Um, yeah, okay. That, that's a, that, I think that's a good point that. Yeah, you know, people are going to replicate that because it's it's that sort of thing. But maybe, maybe that's it. People catch on to the fact that a suspense uh, sort of thriller is something people want. But um, I, I just don't know if it, it... It didn't really come across as that. There were definitely times where I felt the suspense building. But, like, he's only in the film for about... Uh, Tony Todd's actually only on screen for, I don't know, like you, 12 minutes. You didn't feel the payoff? No, not at all. It, it built, it built, it built, it built. And that's... You know, it, maybe that's that's a tactic in itself, but I, I didn't feel like there was ever um, any major. Um, I can't think what it's called, but that breaking of the tension yeah. to really to really go for me. So um, I didn't feel like that was there enough um, okay. after such such a long time. I think House on the Haunted Hill. Yeah, <laughs> that sort of vibe. It didn't. It never really. Um, okay. It never really came off. So it seems a little bit like Gav saying, "Yeah, this film's a classic. It's got everything. It was kind of iconic." did everything a horror film needed. And Ozzy's kind of saying, like, maybe it did at the time, but it's not dated well since. So bringing in the character witnesses, um, Dave, if I start with you, mm-hmm. like, watching Candyman now, do you think it's scary today? Uh, I'd say so, yeah. I mean, I'm one of those, I don't really find horror films scary. I enjoy horror films, but I don't really get scared by them. I think I've seen too many now. Um, I would say there are definitely some impactful moments in it. Um, and I see what Austin's saying. It's not uh, bringing anything new to the table now, but at the time that this film was made, I'd say it certainly did. I'd say it did try something different. 
And I'd say the scares then would have been um, probably terrifying to people, you know. The 1992, I think the film came out. Um, it would have really made an impact back then. By today's standards, no, that impact has been lessened. But at the time of the film's production, yeah, this would have been quite a hard-hitting film. Okay. Joel, did you were you scared by it? Um, I... I you're a bit I mean, like me. You're, you're easily scared. Yeah, I am very, very easily scared. I'm in a bit of a weird place here because I think both both points are extremely right. You know, I think it does do a lot of things well, but at the same time, I, I agree with what Ozzy's saying about it's. It was kind of marketed as a slasher film, and when I hear that, I kind of think of like you know Michael Myers, Jason Voorhees, and Freddy, and people like yeah. that. And it, it really isn't on the same level. If you go in thinking like that, you will be a little bit disappointed. But, you know, to go back to what Gav said, I think this, and what I said just then, what it does do, it does do it really well. But in terms of absolute horror, I don't think it's that scary. I think it's just more kind of tense. Okay. Aussie, yeah, yeah, so in t- and on that, just to, just to catch up there, about the, it's not really a slasher. I mean, the death count is really low. I mean... A scarier Candyman might be Willy Wonka, mate. He, he kills four kids. <laughs> they, they don't die. Okay? At the end of the book, they're fine. <laughs> I, I mean, does it need to be a slasher film? I don't know if it was marketed as such. Uh, it's, it's, I mean, I, I don't I don't remember the marketing. I don't know. Just, you don't I remember fe- 1992. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I, I felt as though... That, that's what I was expecting. I felt mm-hmm. as though the hype and the vibe and... The, the myth of the Candyman and what it's been talked about, it didn't match that to me. If I may, I don't, I don't consider this film to be a slasher. I would say it's a ghost story, but a particularly violent ghost story. I see why a lot of people might consider it to be a slasher or expect it to be a slasher, but ultimately I think ghost story is a more apt uh, term for this. Okay, and before we go on to the second point, um, like Gav was talking a lot about the social issues, so about the issue of race, the film starts with you know a helpless white woman well no sorry a mixed race relationship which kicks off the proceedings of the film the sort of racism of the past being brought into the future or the present day sorry the issue of poverty um with where it's set and everything do you do you feel those social like there are social issues in the film that the film brings out um, yeah, almost certainly. Uh, Cabrini Green was a real um, place in in Chicago, and it was notorious for un- unprecedented crime levels at the time. You know, it, it's a lot better now. The government have really helped to to sort the area out a bit. But at the time, Cabrini Green would have been one of the most dangerous places in Chicago. And so, I think it does look at that, and, it's, and it takes a look at it like, yeah, there is gang violence in Cabrini Green, but there's good people here trying to live their okay. lives. So, people trying to raise families. So it's an interesting look at these issues today. You can look back on it and think that's. Candyman brought that out. I think it does, but I don't think it's too obvious. For me, I watched it and, you know, I'd, I didn't know the background of that area and I don't think many people would know the no. background of that area and without that knowledge, it's not too too obvious, I okay. would say. Um, I think the only thing that is obvious is, um, you know, the plot in which uh, kind of it's it's made, you're made aware that it's kind of like a racially charged incident that makes him into Candyman type of thing. Um, but the rest of it, you know, I'm not saying it isn't there, but I didn't pick up up on it okay cool all right thanks very much i think we're ready to go on to second points so ozzy what, what, what yeah well convince um, me i wouldn't mind talking about the the casting characters because in 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 some sense i thought i mean i know we always talk about casting characters but um it, it kind of makes sense in this to to really bring them out is that like the candy man like i was a bit flippant to my first point is that you know in in essence the Candyman is kind of a, quite a cool character. You know, he's a, he's a really tall guy. And as Gav said, you know, I, and I was a bit flipping to Ben about his oversized fur coat, but I'd probably wear that coat if I could pull it off. <laughs> you know, and um, I just don't feel like he's in it enough. Uh, Tony Todd to really, to really p- pull it off, you know, very well. He, he doesn't get a, a great deal to do because it's about the myth. It's about a ghost story. So, He's he's underused in this essence, so it just feels a bit of a shame um, to not have him in it uh, a, a great deal. So you don't get um, the, the sense of fear and the scariness that, that he can provide. Provide, and then it, there were times where I thought uh, Virginia Madsen did an absolutely brilliant job. Like genuinely, I thought this is great. She's got great facial expressions. There are there are times where I felt the fear. Um, felt her being, um, you know, being strong, manning up, and well, wrong sort of sense of term, but you know, um, she 
she, you know, she stood up to the challenge and she, she faces her fears, but, um, but she's in it, you know, she, she's the main character. She's in it a lot and too much. In fact, you know, it, she doesn't, re- she's not really given enough in terms of uh, a script um, and the plot doesn't really help her to, um, to bring the story out so much. So at times I just felt her a little bit tiresome and I don't really think it was her fault. I think, I think she's really good um, in this. I just, just got a bit tiresome because she wasn't given enough to uh, to work with. Um, her, uh, the little kid who takes her to the toilet. Again, I, I actually found him just a little bit. Um, that's, sorry. I'm um, sorry. So, <laughs> <laughs> our, our, our context here, yeah, that's a bit odd. But, um, but so one of the scenes of um, of the first, the Candyman killing that she's investigating is um, is like a public toilet. Um, so she takes him to that. And um, and that's one of the one of the gory scenes. One of the really gruesome things is this like disused public toilet and you go in and it's like, um, like a dirty protest on the walls. It's pretty, uh, it's pretty sick. Look at it. It's awful looking. Um, but that kid's just a, a, a little bit wooden, a little bit. And I, when I first saw him, I thought, oh yeah, he's a bit creepy. But, um, but after a while, it, I just felt like it, it wasn't creepiness. It wasn't, um, it wasn't meant to be. That was just the way he acted. He just wasn't a great actor. Um, uh, the, the the other the psycho the psychiatrist guy I, I don't know who, who his name but I'm out um when she's um because she's getting psych she's getting psych- oh yeah yeah the, the, the doctor yeah, in the, the hospital where she's in, institutionalized yeah and I know he's not a big I know he's not a big point but as um I don't it just it, it's a difficult the, these these like surrounding cast I just don't really feel like they do enough real work to uh, to pull it out and i'm not sure if it's their fault or if it's the um if it's the plot's fault or the, the script that they're giving but it just some of it just doesn't some of it just feels a bit forced you know a little bit um a bit tired a bit people are people are trying like like i say virginia madsen i think does a good job but what she's working with isn't great so it's overall it just felt a little bit lacking you know, we've seen so much better in modern days and i don't know whether that's tastes i don't know whether that's just general storytelling style or what but it it felt aged and that's the problem for me okay cool so sounds a bit like Candyman's not in it enough what's her name Virginia Madsen Madsen it may be in it a bit too much and not a good supporting cast Gav what would you say to that I'd say Ozzy is literally full of shit (laughs) (laughs) Uh, okay Uh, literally I'll dial it down I think if anyone is literally full of shit come on we all know I'm literally empty all the time Uh, so I I could go on to to contradict us and talk about all the brilliant performances in in this film you know very talented cast including Xander Berkeley who so brilliantly conforms to type by playing an absolute bell <laughs> um, in, instead, I'm going to kind of d- dissect Ozzy's main arguments there about Candyman not being in it uh, enough and not really being imposing as a villain, and also Virginia Madsen being in it too much and not having a lot to work with. Um, so, I think that a common trope of slasher films or horror films in general is uh, that having like a, a sort of a virginal final girl who spends the majority of the film as the damsel in distress illogically running from one dangerous situation to another and i think that this film presented a different kind of heroine like an underrated icon helen is tenacious and smart when she and her friend bernie decide to write a thesis on urban legends specifically Candyman. she is met with sneers and condescension from the older male lecturers at the university her husband the aforementioned berkeley is so jealous of her ideas that he steals the subject matter for his own series of lectures Helen is constantly belittled throughout the film and she goes further and pushes harder to delve into the mystery of Candyman, something her peers were unable or even unwilling to do. She is unafraid to go to the darkest and most disturbing places to find answers, including the bathroom that Ozzy mentioned before. Um, And she doesn't back down even when she has been beaten up by a gang. Um, She comes face to face with Candyman and she doesn't flinch. And when she is framed for the murder of her best friend, and the abduction of a local baby from Caprini Green. She fights tooth and nail to prove her innocence. Similarly, uh, the sub- to the sub- sorry, similarly to the subject of race in the film, I feel that this is a strong message about gender discrimination here as well. Helen strives to be recognised and respected by her peers in this sort of patriarchal environment, but she is dismissed and discarded, and eventually institutionalised by a society that is unwilling to understand or even accommodate her. Now, the performance of Virginia Madison, as I said before, I think is, is just impeccable. It's absolutely brilliant. She gives a phenomenal 
tore the force of emotions. The fear of uncovering the real Candyman, the anguish and guilt of her friend's death, the frustration and intensity of being institutionalised, the anger at discovering that not only has her husband been having an affair, but he's also been complicit to her downfall. It's a truly remarkable performance. And the thing is, is that she is the lead. Ozzy said that she might be in it too much. She's the lead. She carries the film. It's all about her and, you know, her visions, her discovering Candyman. So she should be in it that much. And because she's in it so much, you would think that, oh, you know what, she would tire or it would be tiring to see her. But I, I thought that she had a brilliant screen presence. Uh, now, the, um, I mentioned before about Candyman. Uh, Austin says that he's not in it nearly enough. But, I mean, does a, a great screen villain really need to take up every single second of the screen? I was thinking before, uh, Hannibal Lecter, I think he's only in Sound of Lambs for about 15 minutes. Um, Darth Vader, I think he's only in for about 12 minutes of the original Star Wars. These are like two of the most iconic screen villains of all time and are hardly in the films that they feature in. Same thing for Candyman. It takes a long time before we're actually introduced to Candyman. I think it's about kind of 40 minutes of just kind of talking about the mythos. It's building that kind of, that intrigue about the character so you can't wait to actually see him. And when you do meet him for the first time, as he said, he looks pretty unimposing he's just so it looks like a normal guy and that's it they could have gone down the route with making him look like freddy krueger or making him look like jason Voorhees or something but no this is just a kind of very sort of i would say really attractive man you know if you were to see him walking down the street you wouldn't think oh my god that guy's gonna kill me you'd think oh hello he's, he's quite nice <laughs> and and i think that's one of the interesting things about the character of Candyman here how layered and complex he is um but the thing is, is I'm not sure he would have been half as successful if he would have been portrayed by anybody other than Tony Todd. Todd is a naturally charismatic performer, but add to this the complex and the rich character and the result is one of the most iconic screen villains of all time. It must be incredibly difficult to portray a hook-wielding monster that an audience actually sympathises with, but he does so with great ease. As I said before, it would have also been easy to play the character as a sort of Jason Voorhees-style killing machine. But the elegant way in which Todd plays him, is it's sort of deeply romantic. His screen presence, the language he uses, the, the, his commanding voice, uh, the, his movements, all of it is just very sort of seductive and dreamy. And that is why the character for me is so interesting. A figure sort of similar to Dracula. Um, we're deeply afraid by him. We want to run away from him, but also we want to surrender to him. This is a very, very difficult thing to play. And the way that Todd does it is absolutely perfect. But as, as uh, they all say, if anybody can do it, the Candyman can. <laughs> <laughs> great, again, again, a great ending. That was my fear. I, I feel like I may. I don't know if that was already in this argument, but I may have mentioned that. Too I feel like his, his entire argument was just leading up to him saying that, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, so going on to the character witnesses, um, just come to Ozzy's point, just a simple one. Is Candyman not in it enough, and is Virginia in it too much? Um. I don't think Virginia Madsen can be in it too much. She is the protagonist of the film. Um, Candyman, yeah, you wish you'd see more of him, but there is an element of, you know, too much of a good thing might spoil it for you. You know, you're left wanting to see more about the character, and seeing as you've got two sequels, that's probably for the best. <laughs> so, um, you do want to see more of Tony Todd's Candyman. He is a very intriguing character. Uh, I mean, the first half of the film is essentially her looking into this myth, like, it is a myth, where did this folklore about the Candyman come from, trying to find the fact behind it? And then the second half is him basically terrorizing her for debunking his his myth. Um, so that's when he enters the, the fray, really. And I... Yeah, you don't see a great deal of him, but I do believe if you'd seen too much of him, the impact would have been taken away from you somewhat. Okay. Were you were you getting tired at any point during this film? Ozzy was saying that, like, you know, it got a bit tiresome, got a bit boring, but Gav was sort of saying, no, the, you know, it's, it subverted the, the old damsel in distress trope. And it's actually, you know, it's talking about, you know, a, a woman struggling under issues that they would have struggled at the time. Did that, did that sort of keep your interest or, or were you getting a bit bored? Uh, a little bit of both. I think I would have liked to see more of him, I think. Um, yeah. Like, I think he's very good, but as Gav said, like, he is kind of just like a normal, everyday guy. And when you do see him, um, you know, it's not that scary. And the scenes where, you you know, there's a lot of blood and gore involved and that type of thing, it's not that creepy. The, the creepiest scenes are... Uh, 
towards the end, I find, towards kind of the climax. But yeah, it, it's it's not that it's it, he's bad or anything like that. He, he is absolutely brilliant, as Gav said, but I agree with Ozzy in that I would have liked to see more of him. But when he's in, did you, you know what Gav was saying about it being like a, it sounds like a pretty amazing performance, you know, like the sort of the ro- roman- romantic aspect to him. He's like Dracula, he's kind of seductive. Yeah, he's great. He's got like up? a kind of certain charisma to him as well, or like the best villains. Like, I iconic, you would say? I wouldn't go that far, but then again, like <laughs> this isn't you know my type of film. Whereas okay. for Gav, it's very much down his down his street. Iconic, Dave. Um, yeah, I'd say well, I'd say it's up there with all your big horror villains. To be honest, I like that. I would say yeah, he's, he's. I would say if there was a, a poll of like the uh, the, the t- top twenty greatest horror movie villains, would be time, at least at the bottom of that. It'd be it? <laughs> somewhere. I'd be I'd be surprised if he wasn't. Um, but it's a, it's an imposing performance. I mean, one of the reasons he was cast was for his height, which Austin alluded to before. And he does have this presence. You know, he's not a guy who necessarily run away from like Freddy Krueger. He looks terrifying, but he, he is an imposing presence. And the romantic aspect of it, I think, was a very deliberate in his performance and in the direction because uh, Virginia Madsen and Tony Todd were sent away ballroom dancing together to kind of get a romantic almost connection between the two of them. So that was a deliberate effort. And very quickly, like the supporting cast didn't like, mess it up or were you good? Fairly minimal, to okay. be honest with you. The film pretty much hinges on Virginia Madsen um, and then obviously the scenes with the Candyman. Sandra Berkeley uh, plays a knobhead, as Xander Berkeley is prone to do, plays it very well. I'd say the rest of the supporting cast, they're not really in it that much. They only get maybe a couple of scenes apiece, but they're fair. Not in it enough to mess it up? Uh, no, certainly not. Okay. Um, I just wanted to come back. Um, so Gav, <coughs> Gav was talking about uh, uh, Virginia Madsen and her character um, doing all of these amazing things and not fo- and the film not falling into those tropes of, um, of, of people doing stupid things. But that's not true at all because in this, like one of the first... Uh, so she's a PhD student doing some research. So clever lady, um, you would think that she's um, not going to do anything out of the ordinary. And I can also understand that, um, and Gav's right, is that it does show that she has to work harder than like a male counterpart to get any sort of recognition. So she's pushing herself. She does things that you probably wouldn't do normally. So she goes into that, um, she goes into that toilet, then she gets beaten up by um, somebody else pretending to be, the, he's taking on the, um, the moniker Candyman, um, so that he, you know, portrays some fear in the area. He's like the leader of a gang. Um, so she gets this big eye injury. A few days later, it's gone. I reckon you could forgive that because it's just part of the story. But then also the memory of getting beaten up seems to have gone because she continues to go into these dangerous yeah, situations. Yeah, because she's fearless. Yeah, she, like, she, and she or needs stupid, to as well. Or, or not as clever as... You know, she's making out. Why would you keep doing that? She goes into these really, really dangerous places and she continues to do that. But um, is she constantly being saved from the dangerous situations? No, not at all. She's, she's just in danger. Exactly. <laughs> so she that's the she's not people. a damsel in distress at all. She's like, she's pushing herself harder and further. She wants to get to the bottom of this because like, she is sneered at by her colleagues. It's these sort of older white lecturers who are saying, oh, what are you doing, doing that for? We tried that like, years ago and we didn't get anything. We can't find out then you're not going to be able to find out so that's she's constantly pushing herself she's being told you can't go there you can't go here you know you can't do that and she's proving everybody wrong even when it puts her in peril yeah but there's also then so so going with that yeah she does she like she does go uh, along these things i think yeah so in but in one scene she's fantastic she's really you know pushing forward she's incredible everyone can uh, can get behind her and then in another scene suddenly she you know she's practically useless you know she's petrified with fear she drops her keys just at the moment where ideally she could have just put the keys in the car and driven away you know that, that, that is the first time she's seen Candyman, though so it's understandable if she drops her keys you know she's a bit afraid to say the least okay uh, i'm gonna i'm gonna draw it to a close now and i've I'm just gonna... got one question if i may probably oh, yeah. aimed at gav or dave it's Please. absolutely not much to do with it other than why is the film called Candyman? i could not find an answer absolutely anywhere I don't know if it's just like a title that they've just plucked out of plucked out of nothing. I, I do know the answer. If it, oh, if it, is, um, it, is it something to do with the fact that he was a slave? It's maybe? the honey. Yeah. It's oh, the, right. the fact they smeared him with honey to attract the bees from the local apiary, which stung him to death. So because they smeared him with honey, he was sweet. I knew, I knew, I knew Dave, would oh, okay. have the, Dave would have the answer. Honey man sounds a bit shit. Honey man. <laughs> <laughs> honey honey man still could have been it. <laughs> honey monster. No, it just doesn't. Very different. Candyman, definitely. It, it's covered in the second one as well. That they, oh, right, okay. Just to confirm. 
Yeah. Okay. Uh, so, are we ready for some closing arguments? Yep. Yes. Yeah. Uh, anyone who would like to go first on this? Well, I'll go first because I'm fairly positive Gav will have spent so much time doing his flourishes. You, you, you never know when he's got a song, so it's best <laughs> yeah, to go yeah. first. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So, in, who can make the sun? <laughs> <laughs> seriously right this film uh it's got some really good moments it's well shot it's um it's not a terrible film um and i think if you think about it from early 90s not not a bad film but it's it's sometimes the plot the plot is long the plot is tedious it's a little bit difficult to follow his reasoning and i think that's why in the sequels it's talked about more. That's why you find out about being called the Candyman and stuff. Not in that film. You find about in a different film. Um, not everything is dealt with within there, and sometimes you can forgive that. Sometimes it's fine. Um, for this though, it, it's. I'd say it's a good. It's a good first half. It's a very outrageous second half. It's. It's not the best um, psychological thriller or slasher film you're ever going to watch. Quick, add in a beep on or something. Yeah, yeah. If. Um, no, okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, you are going to be sleepless tonight thinking of people. You are going to be sleepless tonight. I had something about a hive. And uh, then, uh, no, yeah. I was trying ran- to think. I was thinking about rancid honey. It's, pos- it's impossible on the spot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Be- best not to push it, I've found. <laughs> yeah. uh, right, Gav. I'll you- get one later. <laughs> Do you pop it in later, man? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Gav, your minute starts now. Okay, obviously, once again, this is in song form. So <laughs> brilliant. Um, I watched it as a kid on a Friday oh, night. Oh, wow. <laughs> it really satisfied my horror appetite. But when I viewed it later, oh, that finds great direction, cast script score, one of a kind. He'll never stop, make your insides drop. He's the gas and slash and dice and slice and candy, man. <laughs> That's it, fuck it. <laughs> Lovely. How, how long did you spend on the song compared to your argument? Not was- a lot. And I, I realized when I wanted to read it, I hadn't listened to the song in a long time. So I put it on YouTube before, but didn't get a chance to listen to it so I think it's something like that I'll see you might have to auto-tune me later on yeah I'll see what I can do it was lovely stuff Dave have you got a quiz for us I do I do I'll I'll start up Uh, basically it's a quiz I was going to do a quiz about handsome ghosts but I realised that was too hard so in the end I've had to do a quiz about candy have you got the other quiz that you half wrote handsome ghosts I'll I'll break that out another time (laughs) but yeah this was it's going to be on candy in film Oh. Oh. Yeah. On that point, can I add something about this film might give you diabetes type <laughs> There you go. Too there late, you go. too late, too late. <laughs> Helping with puns. Yeah. Uh, who would like to go first? That did it. Some of these questions are hard, some of them are easy. It's all look at the draw. I'm going to go first. You're going to go first. Austin, what is the confectionery-themed racing arcade game invaded by Ralph in Wreck-It Ralph? Oh, um, don't know. Can Anyone want to steal the point? <laughs> Pac-Man. No. It's not Pac-Man. Is it Sugar Rush? It is oh, Sugar Rush. Nice. Well There's a point to Gav. Joel. Which respected British character actor plays the mayor in 2000's Chocolat? Never seen it. No. Alfred Molina. It is. Sorry, Alex, I, I didn't wait to steal, steal it. But yeah. Alfred Molina. Alex, in Zombieland, Woody Harrelson's Tallahassee has an affinity for which Twinkies. sweet treat? It is Twinkies. Another <laughs> point to Alex. Gav, what is the name of Diagon Alley's diagonal-based sweet shop in Harry Potter series? fuck you on a boat what is the name of the sweet shop in Diagon Alley in the Harry Potter series like and literally I, I don't even know who Harry Potter is there you go anyone want to steal oh uh, Bertie Potts it's not it's uh, not they, they make Honey it Jukes it is Honey Jukes nice. Austin gets a point Austin your fashion sense if Gav raided your wardrobe the child catcher appeared in Chitty Chitty Bang Bang in the 1960s <laughs> Luring children away with promises of candy. <laughs> Portrayed by Robert Heltman, an occasional actor, he was better known in which field? Um, what was Robert Heltman when he wasn't acting? Uh, was he an actual chimney sweep? He was not a chimney sweep. That's a different film. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Did he Dick Van Dyke? <laughs> Stealing kids when he was oh. sweeping chimneys. Um, was he a bus driver? He was not a bus driver. No. He was not a bus driver. Anyone? A vet? No. Psychologist. No, no. Think about the way he moved. Dancer. I'll give you a point for that. Contortionist. He was, he was one of the mo- I'm going to take it away if you keep guessing. He was <laughs> one of the most revered ballet dancers. Oh, really? Okay. Of his time. Yeah. Say ballet. 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 <laughs> Joel, in Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, what sort of sweet is Charlie told to steal by Slugworth? Uh, I don't know. 
I don't know. Anyone stealing? Is it a everlasting gobstopper? It is an everlasting oh, gobstopper. Well That's another point for Gav. Alex. Hello. <laughs> In Monty Python's The Meaning of Life, what confectionery proves to be the undoing of Mr. Creosote, causing him to explode? Oh, is that the guy in the restaurant? Yeah. Pancakes? Not pancakes. Anyone? Oh, okay. Is it a cherry? Sweet, Not a cherry. Sweet based, right? A mint. It's, it's sweet based. I'll give you it. It's a wafer thin mint. Ah. That's the one. <laughs> Gav, complete the quote from Elf. We elves try to stick to the four main food groups candy, candy canes, candy corns, and. Syrup? It is syrup. That's another <laughs> point for Gav. I was going to say crack. <laughs> <laughs> Austin, in the Goonies, what kind of candy bar does Chuck placate sloth with? I don't know, I can see it. It's all over his eye. Is it a Mars bar? No, a Mars bar. Some type of nugget bar, isn't it? Uh, I've never had one. A payday. <laughs> it's not a payday. A mounds? No, no. Hershey? No, I'm going to call it. It's Baby Ruth. Oh, I had one of them for the first time last year. What was it? Was like? it? it was all right, yeah. It was, it was a bit like a, like a, a Milky Way. Oh, all right, okay. Yeah. Joel. <laughs> Interesting fact. <laughs> Joel, name the film. Sisters, look, it's the chocolate coloured finger of a man named Clark. Oh, it's candy. Oh. What? It's, it's the chocolate covered finger of a man named Clark. Oh, it's candy. I no? I don't know. He's going to throw it open. Porn soup. <laughs> <laughs> Can we have a clue? I'm going to see if Austin gets it. Is it? Oh, shit. I'll give you a close, a film we've done on this podcast. Yeah, yeah, it's in a film I picked for Halloween. Ah, Fuck, I can't remember what it's called. Hocus Pocus. 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 Uh, you know, I'm going to give it to Austin because he recognised it. <laughs> I just couldn't think of the name of the title. It I is. know, but it's, it's, Pocus, Pocus. it's in Lolita as well, isn't it, Ozzy? <laughs> <laughs> Alex. And Leon as well. <laughs> when you go after honey with a balloon, the great thing is not to let the bees know you're coming. Who said this? Oh, I know. Say again. When you go after honey with a balloon, the great thing is not to let the bees know you're coming. What's the name? Nicholas Cage in Wicker Man. It is not Nicholas Cage in Wicker Man. Isn't it Winnie the Pooh? It is Winnie the Pooh. That is another point for oh, Austin. Well done. <laughs> I was going to say, know, I was gonna say know, Churchill. Sadly, <laughs> sadly, did you know there was a fire in 100 Acre Wood just recently? I did not. Oh, oh. in the wood. That, um, Winnie the Pooh maker. <laughs> is Piglet okay? <laughs> uh, eel there, was, uh, there was some extra crispy bacon. <laughs> oh, no. Yeah. Jesus. Yeah. I mean, that's fucking morbid, that one. <laughs> hey, Gav, final question. Candy is frequently given out to trick-or-treaters. What are the names of the trick-or-treaters from A Nightmare Before Christmas? Uh, oh, John. No. Bobby. No. Austin. Lock, stock, and barrel. It is lock, stock, and barrel. Oh, wow. Well done, Austin. You've actually stolen. been keeping score. I have actually been keeping yeah. score this time. Uh, and it is a tie for first place with Gavin and Austin, both no on four way. points. Oh, wow. Yeah. Can I, what did you all get? Uh, I got let's it. move on. That's the end of the quiz. Thank you. <laughs> Not diabetes, thanks. <laughs> What about something about hypoglycemic? It's, it's too late. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so I've I've reached my decision. Um, you know, when you haven't, when you've never seen a film, the main thing is, does this make me want to watch it? And I, and I'm, to be honest, I'm a little bit split on it because it kind of does feel like probably it might be a bit of a dated film. Like maybe it was good back in the day, but watching it, I'm not sure if I'd be really into it because it's kind of possibly been done then and then being copied, possibly being a bit of a victim of its own success. Um, I think the thing that got me, though, a little bit from what Gav was saying was it does seem like this is a bit of a different one in the sense of it does bring up like the issues of race, it seem like quite core, it talks about the social class in the film, and it does seem like it's got a pretty strong female character in it, and I think, for me, that was enough to make me want to watch the film. So, sorry, Ozzy, but this is going on the hit list. So, uh, honest opinions, Austin. I really enjoyed it. I thought, it was really good. Yeah, <laughs> I thought I, you might have. Yeah, it's actually quite scary. I thought I'm, I'm like you guys. I get scared quite, uh, quite easily. It's not, um, it's not. I didn't think it was horror, scary. I mean, part of the thing is about like the ghost coming out of the medicine cabinet at one point. <laughs> you know, she's in like a she's mm. in the wall and she. But um, it, it's an odd one. But I, I did think it was scary. I, I did think um, I thought Tony Todd was for his twelve minutes was. <laughs> spot on um, <laughs> um yeah it was good it was a, it was a good film and it, the gory scenes are really gory um the suspense is really good and i think i think where i was saying about the suspense being long it is long 
but actually the payoff is is worth it. Mm. Yeah, it's a little anticlimactic at the end, but so I, I forgive it because the rest. Uh, yeah, I suppose so. See that I so I watched it again quite recently. So when, when I wrote some of the arguments, it was a while back, and I, I did really really enjoy it. But I do think that you know, whilst trying to highlight some of the negative stereotypes, it does actually perpetuate some of them. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, you know, it's just it, it's just, it tries to cover so much ground in it. Like I still think it's a really fascinating film, and I really really love it. But um, what I'm really excited for is because Bernard Rose is, is a white guy. I think it would be really interesting to hear from like a black person's perspective and that's why I'm really looking forward to the oh, retelling of it. So there's uh, going to be a reimagining of it next year. It's going to be produced by Jordan Peele and directed by uh, Nia DaCosta. Uh, so I'm really excited to see like what they can do, especially because when I was watching the film, I thought, man, this is so relevant to like 2018 still. Uh, and it would be just great to hear their sort of social commentary. Is it a straight up remake or is it a reimagining? Uh, it's... It, Details have been thin on the ground. Originally, it was supposed to be a remake, but they've actually released something to say it might not actually be a remake, and instead it might be a reimagining. I'm hoping it's not a remake. I'm hoping it's a little bit more... Because, like, remember the Psycho one? Yeah. Who well, directed that? Um, Gus Van Sant, wasn't he? Yeah, yeah. And it obviously shot for shot. Uh, so hopefully it's not going to be yeah, that, because why bother well, watching... Absolutely no point in it at all. So higher or lower than our previous film on trial, which was Pokemon, the first movie... <laughs> Which went on the hit list, didn't Which it? Which went on the hit list, Alex? 6.1 out of 10. <laughs> bit, bit, higher. bit higher, but not much. I reckon high yeah, sixes, I'd maybe. Say higher. So this is on IMDb, obviously. So, yeah, you're all right. 6.6 out of 10. I thought it would be a little bit higher, but then again, it's a horror film. They didn't tend to score too highly on IMDb for some reason. So, once again, I put this poll, uh, I put a poll up on Twitter and over the weekend and asked our friends and followers which list that Candyman should be placed on and 76% of them decided that it should be placed on the hit list. They're very hit list friendly, I feel, our followers. Not, nothing against them, please keep listening to they us. They just want to be, be entertained, isn't it? <laughs> well, they went for Crossroads for some reason. <laughs> no, no. What was, the, what was the go against that one? Hey, no, I'm not saying. Um, <laughs> it's like 100%. <laughs> and I think for Pokemon as well, uh, it was the very first 50-50 that we had. Wow. So it was equal parts shit and hit, <laughs> uh, which is what I thought, to be honest, we're not going to watch over the weekend <laughs> anyway uh, so uh, before we j- adjourn our case it's time for a little bit of a caption contest so what I do here is to take a screenshot of the film and put it on Twitter and ask our friends and followers to provide a caption with the funniest one winning a frog shaped chocolatey treat not even frog shaped it's fucking frog shaped mate get over it would you uh, right anyway right. <laughs> wow. so uh, sorry so I'm just angry um, so what the, what the scene is here is essentially Candyman with a big old mouthful of bees, right? And you guys have just got to say which I've one. I've got some trivia about the bees, I've which is on IMBD. Oh, go on. They cool. were apparently, in, what was it like something like seven hours old yeah, or 12, 12 hours, hours old? old? Because apparently, any older than that, the, be- the stings are too, you know, painful or whatever, and that they're not developed enough oh, yeah. at that age to. He also uh, got bonus, didn't he? Every time he got stung. Yeah. You got stung, you get an extra thousand dollars, yeah. 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 Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah, to all of the bees you're seeing. So, so he was, that's why he was like, more bees! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he got a bonus, but okay. my bit of trivia was Virginia Madsen is actually allergic to bee stings, oh, really? so they had to have an ambulance and paramedic team on set whenever there were bees and her wow. in the same scene. So, you, you would have thought they would have cleared that up before she was signed on. <laughs> <laughs> she was a uh, last minute as well, wasn't she? Yeah, she was, yeah. 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 So the, the original lead was, uh, was pregnant, yeah. so Virginia Madsen signed on last minute. If she couldn't have done it, then they were going to give the part to Sandra Bullock, and it would have been her first screen part. Yeah. They also considered Eddie Murphy for Candyman. That would have been a very different. Oh film. Jesus! Yeah, so, Eddie Murphy yeah. and Sandra Bullock. Yeah, <laughs> it would be like a fucking comedy. What, 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 no, Eddie Murphy. <laughs> it, 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 that's, that's what the director said. <laughs> <laughs> he said it was because Eddie Murphy's only five foot nine. And he's not imposing enough. Yeah. But yeah, we all know why. what he meant was. <laughs> also, it would have been funny Eddie when Murphy. he came out the mirror and not scary. <laughs> yeah. Didn't he do a, a vampire in Brooklyn or something a few? years later yeah what a film he did he did did a lot (laughs) (laughs) yeah it's another clumps is it Uh, anyway so all you guys have got to do is pick a funny caption right starting with honey 
I'm home. Okay. I mean, I think we can leave it there, to be fair. <laughs> Moving on. Uh, when you forget to drop your face... Sorry, when you, yeah, when you forget to drop your face shield on your first motorcycle ride of the year... <laughs> when, uh, aimed at a really specific motorcycle. <laughs> uh, uh, when, you, when, you, sorry, when you like your organic honey, very organic. <laughs> when your chocolate drops turns out to be raisins. <laughs> Samuel's mother had long given up her mission to have... Have him chew with his mouth closed. <laughs> do you do you like seafood? Seafood. <laughs> uh, we're gonna go down here. Not the bees. Uh, latest superfood trend turns out to be a bit of a buzzkill. <laughs> uh, new recipe: keto-friendly, gluten-free. I don't know what that means, but anyway. Uh, and last one: act like Nicholas Cage is watching. <laughs> well, yeah, I like the buzzkill one. I like the uh, the motorcycle shield one. It's down to me and you, Ozzy. I know, yeah. Those people manage to make puns as well. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so maybe you shouldn't get a vote. I'm, not... <laughs> yeah. I'm going to go with the uh, that FODMAP one, the keto with... Um... For fuck's sake, right, okay. I'm going to go with the raisins one. <laughs> Deciding yeah, vote. up to you. Okay, I am going to go for... Go with, go with honey, I shrink the kids or whatever it was. I know, just give five out. I'm going to go uh, with, uh, yeah, when you forget to drop your face shield on the first motorcycle ride of the year. So well done. <laughs> Congratulations to two guys on Friday podcast. You've just won yourselves a Flippity Freddo. Okay, so just before we call our day, we want to give a shout out to one of our friends and fellow podcasters. Happy Horror Coffee Break Old Time Horror Radio Show. That's a bit of a mouthful, it isn't is it? It's a mouthful, but it's worth it. <laughs> so I think he calls himself Happy Horror Coffee Break for short. Uh, so, so we've uh, plugged the, the show before on here. It's a really, really good show. He basically takes uh, a number of horror stories, some of them from Creepypasta, some of them original shorts that people have sent to him, and he records them in a sort of like old time a horror radio show it's really good sound effects are brilliant as well um, I definitely recommend checking it out if you do like sort of little creepy horror short stories a bit like sort of like the Twilight Zone or the Outer Limits I'd also recommend see- season 3 episode 3 I think it's it is probably the best one oh, why that one uh, <laughs> because myself and Captain Dave here feature in it uh, it's a very good episode and uh, yeah I'd basically just check any episode out they're all good ones to be honest you can catch them on iTunes or Spotify or any podcasting platform really happy horror coffee break and you can catch him on twitter as well at real happy horror so our next film has been picked out of the hat at random and it is the Zack snyder directed action film sucker punch uh, so this is suggested by one of our uh, followers uh, just recently actually um uh, suggested by frank the tank and they said that um, it's, it's a sort of very Marmite film. You either love it or you hate it. And he said he has regular debates with his boss because they are on either side of the spectrum on it. You know, one of them absolutely loves it. The other one absolutely hates it. So why the hell not, eh? And if he is a tank, we might not want to mess with him. <laughs> yeah. but find out where Frank the tank comes down. <laughs> okay, so all of the roles have been picked out of the hat at random again. So in defense is me again. And in prosecution is... Is Dave. Uh, character witnesses are Joel and Alex, which means the judge is Austin. Right? Ooh. So just want to say thank you Wild very card. much to <laughs> everybody who has listened to this episode. Please remember to like, share, and subscribe. Tell your friends, tell your family, tell it to yourself five times in the mirror. Just spread the warm love that is Films on Trial in as many years as possible. Check us out on Twitter at Film Trials and check out our fantastic graphic artist, Winston Sang, at the underscore quirks. Also check out our website, filmsontrial.co.uk and follow us on Facebook, Instagram and subscribe to our lovely YouTube channel for weekly content. So that's it, guys. Candyman is a hit and we will be in your ears next week with Sugar Punch. Goodbye. Goodbye.